Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. Welcome to the Women in Tech Weekly Remix episode. Three, two, one. My name is Esprit Devora, host of The Women in Tech Show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create The Women in Tech Show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. To connect and collaborate with extraordinary women in tech around the world, remember to go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. The best business resource I have is my mentor's private Facebook group. I've never found a community that cares more about one another's success. It inspired me to create the same thing for podcasters. If you're a tech company or startup looking to grow your podcast audience, I created GetPodcastListeners.com, a private group specifically to discover how other podcasters have grown their audiences so we could do the same. Check out GetPodcastListeners.com. That's GetPodcastListeners.com. Hi, this is Paige Bailey. I'm a cloud developer advocate at Microsoft focused in machine learning and AI. I'm based out of Seattle, Washington. When I was growing up, again, small towns, there's there's not really a whole bunch of people that, that you can connect with or identify with. Um, so knowing that there were other folks out there who were like me, right, who were interested in computers, who were reading the same books, who were watching the same movies, that was such a huge connective process. But then again, most of my communication in online is, you know, primarily through text, right. primarily through a, through a written context, and I definitely think that it influenced kind of the lens that I interact with people. So it's, I, th- I think that there's probably a lot of the communication piece that we're going to be missing. Like we're going to be forgetting how to do small talk. Um, we're going to be forgetting maybe what it feels like to, um, to be in the same space with other humans and to connect with them in a personal way. But in, in a lot of other aspects, it, it's great to be able to connect with a variety of folks, even if you aren't like geographically in the same location. And when did you first find Microsoft? I found Microsoft, it feels, it feels like a long time ago. But so first computer was the Apple II. Um, and then I saved up a whole bunch of money because there was this, uh, do you remember Gateway Computers? Yeah. Yeah, so so I saved up half of the $549 that it took to purchase a Gateway Computer. I saved up half, and my mom provided the rest of it. So the Gateway was my second computer. I mean, it had a ton of software with it, too. So Microsoft Encarta, it had, um, oh gosh, Operation Neptune, um, Gizmos and Gadgets, The Incredible Machine, like lots and lots of these very physics-focused games. And so that was like my first connection with Microsoft. And then, again, I just never really thought like, oh, hey, maybe that's a place that would want me to work there. (laughs) Um, But I I just, you know, used Microsoft products for for a long time, as one does, because Windows was everywhere. And then about three years ago, Satya Nadella became the new CEO. And they suddenly started talking about open source. And they started talking about these new commitments to 
you know, health and wellness and, and sort of accessibility programs for AI. And, and all I could think of was just like, wow, this sounds like a corporation that's turning into a startup. So I started thinking about potentially joining and then this opportunity on Azure arrived and it's just kind of been a perfect fit. And how long have you been with Microsoft? Since July of last year. What was your first parlay as a tech professional? My first opportunity as a tech professional would probably be, so again, first two internships were were both space sciences projects. But that third one with Chevron was in IT. Oh, got it. Yep. So, so they gave me a job offer. And I took it, you know, I, I went to go, um, I went straight from undergrad into the business world. And they also said that they would pay for grad school. Nice. So I, yeah. So that was your first full-time job. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, outside of being an intern. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Hi, my name is Julia Lucen. I lead the development of our development tools, product like Visual Studio, Visual Studio for Mac, Visual Studio.code, and our .NET platform. Microsoft is a technology leader that empowers every person, every organization to achieve more. I'm based in Seattle, Washington. I actually make myself pretty available. To, I actually have many mentees uh, across Microsoft. And then there's a particular program that one of the very senior women started at Microsoft, which I love. And then she basically programmatically uh, bring women who got promoted into the partner rank, which is very senior rank at Microsoft, and make sure there's actually, you know, CVPs, corporate vice president, actually proactively mentoring them. So I'm, you know, I signed up on that program. I get pings all the time from people know me across the company yeah. and to say, hey, I have, and frequently men, they'll say, hey, I have a fantastic, very senior woman on my team. I would love to, you know, introduce her to you and set up the mentorship. And I pretty much take most of those requests. And then people discover me when I do a lot of internal events and things, and they come reach out to me after the fact. And I do, at this point, I do have a, a little bit of recommendation is that I found mentoring to be most effective when people are a couple of levels ahead of you, but not like five, six levels ahead of you. Like, I don't think I will be a great mentor for someone who just fresh out of college today. Why is that? I think that there's a number of reasons. One is that the problems they're dealing with day to day are kind of, particularly at work, are so removed from the level of problem that I'm dealing with. Oh. And then like even some of the techniques I would use back then may or may not be actually uh, applicable to them. I'll give you a very concrete example. I love this So insight. my son is 15 years old. And so, you know, like, couple of years, two, three, four, five years after I gave birth to my son, when people come to me about mentoring how to be a new mom and stuff, I have a lot of experience to share about how to manage work, how to manage being work and mom at the same time, all of that. I still have some advice to new moms today that's applicable at work, how to think about prioritization of your time, all of that. But the techniques of, like today you have a phone, I have a smartphone, which is 24-7 next to you. You can always get work mails on that. And how do you check in? Where back then, it was the modem days. I had to go to my my office in my house. Going to turn on my PC and go dial in. Like It's just a different day and age. And so the techniques you use to go manage that, how do you think about, you know, the social, it's just a little bit different. So true. And, you know, if, if I look like the social sort of a phenomenon, my son, 15 years old, they're on like Snapchat and Instagram. <laughs> they're not even on Facebook. Yeah. And I'm barely on Facebook. Then there's a whole generation entirely on Facebook. So I think just the habits of working and how you 
interact, relate to each other, evolves over generations. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm kind of conscious, like the new challenges and the mentalities coming out of college today, is kind of different than what I experienced. So there's while、well, I still have general advices I give to people, but the more specific ones of how to deal day to day, I think is best left for someone who are out of college three years, four years. I think they'll relate to each other much better and build that strong connection. I think for mentorship, one of the very important things is people has to be willing to be transparent. You have to relate to each other. So it's kind of like you know I think it's friendship and mentorship together, and so that deep personal connection is important. It's sometimes a little bit hard to have a deep connection, maybe with your aunt,、yeah. just because that generation, that the topics, interests, are maybe a little off. I didn't think about it that way. I think that's so useful and actually something that's never come up. So I really appreciate that. Hi, this is Nicole Herskowitz. I am the general manager of Azure Product Marketing at Microsoft. We deliver software to customers around the world, based in Seattle, Washington. So after graduate school,、um, I decided to go work for a startup.、Um, I thought that、oh, I needed to the, have a startup experience. That was the problem.、Yeah. There's the obstacle. The startup. It's,、yeah. just it was.、Um, It was 2000, which was like the worst time to go work for a startup.、Uh, I worked for a SaaS CRM company, which was not Salesforce. And、uh, this company,、um, you know, had great leadership, was well funded,、um, but made a lot of bad decisions. And I, someone had given me advice. They said, in the first week of joining a company, you will know if it was a good or a bad decision with、oh, regards、wow. to it. And、um, You know, I just I think in the first week recognized that there were some decisions being made across this company that wasn't going to make it survive.、Um, but I stuck it out for a year and I worked super hard, and it was hard for me because I kind of had a I'd say a history of successes, and it was a you know a failure. The company didn't succeed. I ultimately you know kind of found myself a year after grad school with a lot of. Debt and not at a place in my life where I couldn't have a job. You know, needed a job desperately,、um, but I learned a ton from it. I mean, I learned that all the funding, great leadership, those aren't you know the only things that it takes to make a, a company successful. We didn't have the right business model. We were spending in ways that weren't going to kind of really sustain over time as we built our customer base. And so there were a lot of great lessons that I could take from that experience, so that when I went into my next job, I. I was looking more broadly, and I wasn't assuming success. And so, you know, that was a a good learning experience for me, for sure. I'm dying to ask if you could give that company a piece of advice, like say time could rewind, and you can say, "Hey, listen, if you do X, Y, Z, things may bode better for you." Like, what would that piece of advice be? Yeah, I mean, I think.、Um, There was a little bit too much excitement on、um, awareness of、um, the company and the product versus awesome customer experience,、oh. and that a lot of money was spent on things like Super Bowl ads.、Yeah. And I think, wow, if all of that funding could have been spent on. The development of a great product offering、right. that that would have given us then the ability to acquire more customers at a slower pace,、yeah. uh, and not kind of let the hype of you know the internet and all、yeah. these businesses drive、um, to I think some decision making that maybe weren't ideal for that company. Yeah,、um, it、so. reminds me of、um, Dollar Shave Club who successfully overcame that obstacle, but at one point they're an LA startup, and at one point they.、Uh, Uh, couldn't fulfill 
customer experience in in a high quality way. It was too many orders too fast and they didn't have their processes in place. Yes. But they've since figured it out, thankfully. Congrats to them. But like there was that point where it was like too much awareness, not enough customer delivery. Yes. Yeah. And customers were pissed. <laughs> and you know, com- companies that do overcome it like you're become a lot stronger for that. They really, you know, staying close to your customer, understanding their needs and when you do make a mistake, course correcting uh, is, is a critical success factor for companies. So, yeah. The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.